right, good evening, everybody. So the message tonight is going to be a little bit on leadership. So I've been kind of in school and stuff. We've been talking a lot about leadership and what it means to be a leader versus like a manager at like a clinic or something like that for physical therapy's sake. So I figured, well, let's look into leadership as it applies to biblical principles and spiritual leadership. So that's what the message is going to be on tonight. So let's open up in prayer and then we'll get going. So Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we just pray that as we open your word, we could uh, just learn what learn what you would have us learn tonight, Lord, and that we could uh, just be able to grow this week and that it would give us a good base to stand on, Lord, and we know it can because it's your word. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's open and let's start with Luke 9. Let's open to Luke 9. Let me get these things all situated here. So I came up with an acronym. So an acronym is where each one letter of each word stands for a certain thing. So I have, the acronym is going to be LEADERS. So L-E-A-D-E-R-S. And so... The first one is L, so we're going to start with L. So this is an, this obviously is an all-inclusive list for leadership or anything like that. But the L I said is to let God lead. So Luke nine twenty three, verse twenty three in Luke nine. It says this is this is what's above our above the hymn we just sang. It says then he said to them all. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross, his cross daily and follow me. So a little trivia for you guys. Who are out of all of the uh, commands that Jesus gave in the Gospels, what was the command he mentioned most often or most frequently said over and over again? Follow me. I thought you guys would get that one. Or was it, was it, was it a rhetorical question? <laughs> it's, fo it's follow me so if he's saying it over and over and over again it means it's got to be important right it means we should probably listen to it and when we're talking about him fo or people following him we're the thing I think the people I think most about are his disciples how they sacrificed everything how they left their jobs how they left their households how they left their family and immediately went and followed Jesus and this is a great example that we can take with us is that we we need we possibly could sacrifice something to follow Jesus. We, we're probably going to at some point. We're going to have to give up our earthly desires, things that we care about, and that we're going to have to lay, lo lay those things aside and follow Jesus, who's ultimately giving him up. Because, I mean, he sacrificed ultimately on the cross for us, so in turn... He asks us to sacrifice for him. And as it says in Luke 9, 23, let's read it one more time because I kind of went over it kind of quick. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that concept of denying yourself and taking up your cross daily, so it's a day-by-day -day thing, a decision-by-decision, decision, that's how we have to follow Jesus by. And I like what Brian White said last Sunday about how one of the biggest lessons he's had to learn is how he has to depend on 
his dependence on Jesus, that, that's one of the m- main things that he's learned. So depending on Jesus is big for everything, that he wants us to be all in in serving him. So that's E, let God lead. And the E, so L-E, I, I promise I didn't write this this afternoon, but it is in, it, I did pick encourage, which we talked about this morning, obviously. So E is encouragement, and the Bible talks a lot about this as exhorting. So this really ties into responsibility and being accountable to each other for, I don't know, coming alongside one another and, I don't know, uplifting one another when things aren't going the greatest or when there's a troubling time in someone's life. And even when in ministry as well, when we're coming alongside and encouraging and saying, hey, you, you keep doing, like, Wednesday, Wednesday night uh, dinners. You... Thank you for serving at Wednesday night dinners. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. So really coming alongside, encouraging each other in troubling times and in ministries. And we know we need to know how to encourage, how to really be specific about it and to let it be known. We can't be shy about being encouragers, you know. We can't assume that someone is, that that they think that we're thankful for it, that they think that we're thankful for it. We really have to let it be known, whether it's, cards like Kathy sends birthday cards that's really appreciated and really encouraging one another no matter what just letting them know that they're that, that they're cared for and that their church family cares for them and that um, that we're all in it together so really not being shy about being encouragers so that's e in- encouragement and then a is age is Age is a non-factor. So we have let God lead, we have encouragement, and then we have age is a non-factor. So we know about 2 Kings 22, all about King Josiah. How old was he when he? Eight. Eight years old. Pastor Joel got it. So eight years old when he became king. I mean, that's a pretty young king we're talking about here. That's like, I'm thinking about like, man, what if an eight-year-old was became the president of the United States. How many eight-year-olds do we have in here tonight? I know Carly's an eight. You're eight, right? So that's like little, that's like little Carly Blevins becoming queen of this place. <laughs> I bet you'd like that, wouldn't you, Carly? <laughs> yeah, probably. But the thing is about King Josiah is he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So no matter how old you are, you can you can serve the Lord no matter how what your age is. So when we're talking about VBS or Gilgal Day Camp or even Wednesday night uh, Masters Club, those are instances where a young person can influence an older person. Where say, for example, a visitor comes, you bring one of your friends to Masters Club, they hear about Jesus, they can come home and teach their families more about Jesus. So that's one instance where uh, the roles can kind of be flipped. We always think about, oh, you you hear from the word of God from someone older than you, but no, you can influence those that are older than you too. Um, what is it? it? What does it say? It says uh, that no one should despise your youth. I believe, is that a psalm or a proverb? I can't recall a specific specific uh, reference to that but it also says in Proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he's older he will not depart from it so that's really good encouragement for parents as well 
And then when you're older, you can take all of your experiences. Hopefully, you've been grown as you've been getting older and older. You've been growing in spiritual maturity as well. That you've been being in God's Word and being being uh, being spiritually grown and getting stronger and stronger. So you can like come along, say, come alongside someone and be like, "Hey, I've I know what you're going through. This I this is a situation that I've." that I've had to go through in the past, and this is how I handled it, whether good or bad, and then you can, it can be a great teaching moment for them. So either way, whether you're younger or older, like when you're younger or older, you can be a great testimony to those around you. So when you're younger, say you got, you have school that you got to go to, you can be a great testimony to those kids that maybe don't know Jesus as their Savior. Or when you're older, you also... You also have friends that don't know Jesus as a Savior. You can be a great example to them, too, and a great testimony to them. So that is A. Age is a non-factor. And then D is doers, so we can be doers. Let's turn to James 1. We can be doers of the word. So it says in James 1, verses, verse 21, we'll start in. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So this is a this is a great analogy of how when we're in the word of God, like we're in the word of God right now, we're hearing it, but then we need to go home and implement how we're going to work it into our lives. I love the example that that they give in, that James gives how it's like looking into a mirror and you're not going to go look into a mirror, see that you have something hanging in your teeth or something hanging from your nose and be like, I look good and just walk away. No, you're going to make a change. You're going to make a change. You're going you're gonna to run a piece of floss through there. You're going to blow your nose or something like that. Same thing applies to spiritual things as well. We're not just going to hear it and not make any changes when changes are needed. So we need to be active in our faith and constantly implementing what we learn in our Bible by daily devotions, by what we learn here, by Bible studies, things like that, Sunday school, all those things. So we need to be doers of God's word, being active. And then, so L-E-A-D, we have those four. The next one is another E, so eternally minded. We need to be eternally minded. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your, minds on, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So really emphasizing 
where you put your time. So we need to really focus on what matters and what's really going to last. We see a lot of these temporary things and how people are trying to build. We, l- we see in the Old Testament how the people tried to build bigger, build bigger and better. Uh, or excuse me, it was a, a parable. Build, building more, trying to stuff the silos full of, full of grain and full of produce. But that's temporary stuff. But, and we can't really focus on that. I mean, a great example is our jobs we have. For example, I'm going to be a physical therapist someday. And we really want to focus on restoring people's function, getting them so that they can move better and be able to do things that they enjoy, do their hobbies, do their work, things like that. It's important, but it's really temporary. The bodies we have here are temporary. It's really important that we focus on people. We focus on what we focus on people. We focus on God's word, the things that are going to last for eternity. And how am I going to, it's sure it's important that they, that they get back to what they like to do, but how am I going to also implement God into it? How, how am I going to reach people for Christ? How are you guys going to reach people for Christ? We all, a lot of us have jobs, right? Most of us have jobs. We have, we all, we all have coworkers. How are we going to reach others for Christ? Even the, even people we encounter throughout the day, people we know, it's I mean, we always we always like that small talk, like, "Oh, how are you doing? I'm good. How am I doing? I'm good." Then, then you're done for the day. We should really be focusing on stuff that matters, stuff that lasts. And ultimately, we talk about wherever you put your time is where where you find importance. Like, for example, I like if I like to golf a lot. Obviously, that means I like golf. That's that that's what I find important. Well, ultimately, our time is God's time because he gives everything to us. So we got to give that time back to him. So we're eternally minded. It also says in Ecclesiastes 3 that he has written eternity on our hearts. So we don't know what his plan is for eternity. Well, we know his ultimate plan for eternity, but we don't know all the little details, but, and that's okay. We don't need to know all the little details, but we know that we are inserted wherever wherever he has placed us for his glory to know that he uh, he just has he just has us in the right place for doing his will all right and then the last two are kind of go hand in hand so to finish out the word leaders we have rank leaders rank their priorities properly and lastly leaders are servants so we know that with ranking our priorities properly, we are others-minded, and God gets, the, God gets the preeminence. So God gets the ultimate preeminence. We're others-minded. We're thinking of others before ourselves. And this really comes with a lot of humility. It's something that is kind of opposite the way that we naturally think. We think that, I, I take care of myself. I got to make myself happy, and then eventually, and then if I'm happy, then I can make others happy. So no, it's kind of the other. It's really the other way around. How we need to think of others before ourselves. And actually, I have a little something to read here. So let me bring it up. One of my classmates posted this article, 
on Facebook, I believe it was, and it talks really about how we've really gone from being humble to being more very arrogant and very prideful in everything that we do. And it says here that, um, so David Brooks, he's an author of The Road to Character. He says that while listening to a broad radio broadcast on August 15th, 1945, the day after VJ Day, Brooks noticed how the host, Bing Crosby, described the program's tone. Today, though, our deep down feeling is one of humility. One guest recalls Brooks quoted a war correspondent saying, we did not win the war because destiny created us better than all other people. I hope that in victory, we are more grateful than proud. When the program ended, Brooks turned on his TV to watch a football game just in time to see a wide receiver catch a short pass before he got tackled. Immediately, the defensive lineman did a self-puffing victory dance to celebrate his accomplishment. It occurred to me, Brooks reflects, that I had just watched more self-celebration after a two-yard gain than I had heard after the United States won World War II. So really the contrasting differences of how the times have really changed, how we've gone to really puffing up self and uplifting our ego. It goes on to say he, they talk about this term of self-forgetfulness, and it says, in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul testifies about the gospel he has transformed his self-identity. He doesn't care what other people think about him. He doesn't even care what he thinks about himself. What's his secret? Self-forgetfulness. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. The freedom of self-forgetfulness, the blessed reason that only self-forgetfulness brings. It goes on to say that the gospel transforms our notion of self-worth and identity because it invites us to embrace a sense of meaning and purpose that's bigger than ourselves. In Christ, we're not demoralized by failure or overly impressed by narrow ideas of success like football tackles or MVP awards or prestigious scholarships and degrees. So there, then again, really putting our time into things that really last. I like, I was listening to the radio the other day and they talk about a lot of how, oh, if you're really important, they'll, they'll make a statue for you, you know? If you're, if you're really high up there, I think of the Michael Jordan one in the Chicago or whatever, of him dunking over some guy. And I heard a guy on the radio, it was, a, it was ESPN radio, and he basically went on to say, well, birds, <laughs> birds relieve themselves on statues. How important. How important are those statues if that's what happens to them, you know? So what are we putting our worth in, you know? So that fills it out. We're letting God lead. We're encouragers. Age is not a factor. We're doers. We're eternally minded. We rank our priorities properly, and we're servants above all. I also wanted to tie this into looking at Jesus and how he, how he was the ultimate example in all of these things. So I looked at letting God lead, and I, I was thinking of Luke 22, where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying to God the Father. And 
he was praying so fervently that he his sweat became like blood and really saying that he just really wanted the Father's will to be, go- be done, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And what a great example that is for leader or for letting God lead and him, him deciding. His, it's his will that, 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 that really matters. And it's a great example of prayer, too, really being dependent on him. And then Jesus Christ is a great encourager as well. Or the and the Holy Spirit as well as we'll see. Look, let's look at Acts chapter one. I also saw in Matthew twenty-eight about the Great Commission, how it says that when he during the yeah during the Great Commission between the disciples and. Jesus, how he says that he'll be with them till the end of the age. And uh, I thought that was just so great because no matter what, Jesus Christ isn't going to change on us. He's not going to be like, I said this at one time, but now I'm saying this. No, it says in Hebrews 13 that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how how awesome that can be for us, how we stand on such a solid rock when we stand on Jesus. But in Acts 7, or Acts 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a great thing to know that Jesus is with us all the time through his Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is able to empower us to do amazing things, and it's only through having the Holy Spirit in our lives, having Jesus Christ, receiving him as Savior, that we are able to be able to really serve and honor him and having that Holy Spirit with us through every situation. What an encouragement that is, amen? And then age is a non-factor. So this is a pretty, pretty classic example of Jesus in Luke 2. Luke 2, we learn about Jesus at 12 years old, how his family goes to Jerusalem for Feast of the Passover, and when they're all done, they're leaving the city. And they're wondering where Jesus is, where Jesus is. And they lose him for three days. And I'm thinking, man, if this were today, (laughs) we'd have a lawsuit on our hands. (laughs) But uh, it says in uh, verse... Uh, 46, now so it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? think it's so funny how they or he goes around and he's like this is this is really what I'm supposed to be doing he talks they're talking about your father and I were already sick about you and he turns it around and says but I am about my father's business he's talking about Joseph being a Joseph being a carpenter but in in reality Jesus is 
really being about his heavenly father's business. And so that's, re that's really cool how age really doesn't have a factor in us. Um, <laughs> I, I read that, or there's a lot of research out there that says that there's a lot of variation, but the human brain doesn't uh, become fully mature, mature until 25 years of age. So you might be caught, you might be listening to someone whose brain isn't fully mature yet. Because I'm 24. <laughs> but isn't it cool how it doesn't matter how, what age you are, your brain might not be fully mature in a physical sense, but man, God can still use you to do great things. So that's the example of Jesus in Luke 2, being 12 years old and being about his father's business. Then we have Jesus Christ being a doer, and we see that he's a doer throughout all his ministry, whether he's teaching, whether he's preaching, he's fulfilling prophecies, he's always practicing what he preaches. He's not one, one person in one place, and he's a different pers completely different person somewhere else. He's always, always the same. And he's always, he's always got action behind what he's doing. And that, that's him being a doer. Then we see him being eternally minded. We see that uh, Jesus was constantly focused on eternity, constantly trying to reach souls for, for him. And I think it's so cool that even on the cross, as he's dying, he's reaching a thief, or he's witnessing to a thief and saying, today you shall be with me in paradise, and how till the very, very end, that's what, that's what his focus was on, was eternity. And then finally, the ranking their priorities properly and being a servant. Let's go to Philippians 2 as our last passage. I love this. I love this passage just because it's a gives us a great all-around look at how Jesus's ministry was. So let's look at uh, Philippians chapter two, and then start. I'm going to start in verse one, and I'm just going to read till verse eleven. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Really, you're looking at humility there. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. This is really where he, the, the great sacrifice he made for us, how he, how he really emptied himself, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, even the, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. 
So his humility is something, isn't it? How he was, how he was God in heaven. You can't really go much. You can't really go higher than that, can you? And then he completely, completely empties himself. Com- goes completely humble and comes on earth to become man. And was so sacri- was so sacrificing to us. And how it relates ultimately to salvation. How one day every knee is going to bow to Jesus. And it's, it's great to be on that winning team to know that what the end is going to be like, but also to know that our job isn't done, to know that we need to come in or that we need to work every day to reach others for Christ in not only what we say, but what we do, everything, all aspects of life. So there might, hopefully, hopefully tonight there was a thing or two that, that caught your attention, like, I really need to work on that, or I really need to be w- better at being a doer of God's word. Really, all the, all the letters that we went through of leaders, I could, I could say, yeah, I need to work on that, yeah, I need to work on that, yeah, I need to work on that. But really focus on being a, let's focus on being leaders this week, uh, spiritual leaders, wherever God has placed you, whether it's church ministries, whether it's in your home, whether for parents being good examples for your kids, being a great spouse um, at work, being great, uh, being a great testimony for Jesus wherever wherever you go, whether it's with coworkers or whoever you come into contact with, whether you're younger, may, inviting kids to uh, VBS coming up or being kind to your brothers and sisters. <laughs> and, uh, uh, ultimately, ultimately, this this gives us a great opportunity opportunity to grow. And maybe there's a lot of things. Maybe like me, you're like, man, there's a lot of things that I need to work on. Maybe focus on one thing at a time so you don't get overwhelmed. I know it's easy to get overwhelmed when you hear a lot of things at one time that you might need to work on. So we just need to realize that growth comes little by little. You look at all the all the rings on a tree. It's very little little growth that they make, but before you know it, there there's some big monstrous trees out there, hundreds and hundreds of years old. So ultimately, we need to follow Christ as we lead. All right, that's about all I have for you guys, Pastor Joe. Coming back up. Thanks for paying so good attention to me.